0: Hello, and welcome to Legal Management Talk, the official podcast of the Association of Legal Administrators. I'm your host, Justin Askenazi So today, uh, uh, I'm excited because we're going to uh, talk more about AI. And uh, I know you're probably saying, you know, haven't I already heard enough about AI over the last couple of years, but uh, there's, uh, especially recently, there's so much still to Unpack and explain how it can help, uh, um, you know, make law firms more efficient, and uh, and so we're going to dive more into that today. And uh, our guest today is uh, Prithu Sharma, and she is the Chief Product Officer of Legal Tech at Thomson Reuters. Uh, And Thomson Reuters recently released their Future of Professionals report, which talks a lot about AI and how it will impact law firms in the years to come. And uh, we'll talk more about that as we go. So uh, first, thanks for being here, Criti. Uh Glad to have you. Uh, how are you doing today?
1: Um, great. And thank you, Justin, for having me. I guess we're still in the realms of it. it's okay to say happy-ish, new, happy new-ish year. So <laughs> right. happy, happy new year. New year. You and, and your listeners too. And I'm really hoping 24, 2024 is the year when, we um we start to truly embrace AI to drive productivity and all the hopes and dreams come true with this technology.
0: Exactly. So uh, let's start with that uh, productivity aspect um, because, uh, you know, of course, as, as the saying goes, time is money and everyone wants to help out their bottom line. And AI is one of the ways that uh, they're going to be able to do that in the near future. So... Uh, you know, can you talk a little bit about what are some of the latest and greatest ways that um, AI is going to start uh, speeding up uh, the tasks of a law firm?
1: Yeah, so um, that starts by by just just also just sharing my personal experience of uh, of working with AI tools. I've I've been building these since I was very little. Like I was one of those kids who learned to code and built useless robots, and now I do better things with life. Um but um when the generative AI products started to appear and, and transformers and natural language interfaces started to um to appear a few years ago, I started to automate large parts of my life because I'd rather speak to machines than to humans. So I started working on a b- bunch of these automated tools and systems just in my personal life and work. Um and what it's really what's really interesting for me as a user of all of these tools is there's generally a productivity hit you get um, about you know between four to three, six weeks of working with an AI system, when you feel oh, it really just gets me now. Um, you go through the initial phase of oh this is, uh, these tools are so exciting and they almost feel magical in the beginning, right? We all had those moments when we use ChatGPT, um, and then you go through the phase of oh, I should learn a few tricks and tips to get most out of it, and then a few weeks and you hit that mark of now it's really adding value um and i personally find that um i'm starting to get to that stage where whether it's um you know using work workplace productivity tools that are doing reminders and chasing work for me or doing summary and i'm you know, not very organized person so this is just a really great gift for me and i want to share this cuz um do you think it's very easy to build ai tools now but it's really hard to build good ones um, that help um, change habits or add real value, um, and so I think we're we're very much getting to that stage. Even with the legal um, legal tools now, so if, to give you an example, we um, we have products out there in either beta versions or out there at, at launch in market where we can do core legal tasks with up to ten times more efficiency and productivity than we could ever do before. And some of these add value on day one, um, and then others that get even more powerful with a, with a few weeks of use, as I was describing in my own personal experiences. So to give you some examples, um, with the tasks of drafting documents, previously what used to take hours, sometimes days, we can now do that in minutes by using the power of generative AI and similar capabilities and um, you know, legal document review, it's something we've talked about. There's been AI tools, and I'm sure you and your listeners have looked at all these tools for a very long time. And we're now at the stage where we can do vast amounts, large-scale document review using small and large language models at a much, much more radical space. So what we're really seeing is in in step function change in productivity for some of the core tasks lawyers do, whether it's drafting or legal research or legal review, and much of that work is being um, done in a co-pilot type experience with with the AI colleagues working alongside us, almost um, releasing human productivity for more interesting tasks.
0: Right. And um i know another thing that has been top of mind for firm leaders is uh is that a lot of work that is usually done by uh, you know senior level attorneys partners um you know may get shifted uh more towards junior level associates uh um you know who can just plug things into the the ai and, and do the work that way um so, you know, how do you address the, the concerns that now uh, partners may have maybe billing less time uh, if they are doing you know, less work on, on these tasks?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. What, what we're seeing a lot is the kind of work that we do is starting to change and the way we work is also starting to change. So by that, I mean, if you're working on a legal draft, you're just finding a past precedent or past document that's quite similar, it's much easier. Or getting started to get get to a good first draft is a lot faster. Um, What that releases is capacity to do more advisory work, more higher value work, helping clients get to better outcomes. Generative AI or AI is not the answer to every question it's not the solution to every problem but it is a huge enabler in taking care of many um, of the tasks um, where it can bring cognition understanding of human language and creating new forms of na- of knowledge um but what we we see a hundred percent is without a doubt is um human wisdom leading to better outcomes from AI. So that partner level wisdom, the partner level of wise and insight and intuition is going to get to better work product being produced with AI tools working alongside us. And um it does create questions about training uh, over people's career paths, right? And 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 I think we need to start thinking through how do we train people Um, throughout their careers and professions into getting the most out of AI tools because machines will do a lot of the legwork for us. So we have to start to think about the value that humans bring, the judgment, the reasoning, the intuition, um, wisdom, and bring those um, into those communications. What's interesting, Justin, for me and fun actually is um, I'm a computer scientist by background. I've studied and built AI tools for a very long time. And for the longest period of time, the bar, the bar for who gets to create AI or who gets to get the most value out of it was quite technical. So you had to have degrees and you know, or a lot of qualification experiences. Um, now we are at this stage where it's about asking questions of machines and they speak our language, to understand human language. Um, you can interact very differently to what we had to do for the longest time, where you needed a different skill set. So I find it very encouraging because now specialists in the field who have subject matter expertise, um, they can bring so much more value. They can get so much more value out of these tools that was previously restricted to more specific technical skill set holders.
0: Yeah, and it's it's important to underscore that you know the robots aren't taking over our our jobs it's still uh um you know it's still the human aspect is still key because you know the ai needs to learn from from someone so uh so you know it is about about training to make sure that the ai can best it, we can help the ai help us basically
1: that's right that's that's very well put and the the new kind of roles that are being created, you know, whether it's prompt engineering or it's under, you know, asking good questions of machines, training the models, figuring out the relationship between machines and humans, and the most important one, the use cases and the misuse cases of this technology, all of that requires human intuition and human wisdom. What I would say is we must remain very humble and open-minded as as humanity towards you know what do we bring best and and where we bring that value um, to society and and constantly be inquisitive about learning um, i do um you know we talked about opportunities with where AI. i do really hope that with this technology revolution we use the capacity that we create or release to solve meaningful problems for society, whether it's creating larger scale availability or affordability of access to justice and other forms, it really is up to us to design how we change social structures or improve outcomes for people using this technology. We're very much in control of that part.
0: Right. Uh, and so I also want to address some of the, the concerns still about, AI Because I know there's still a lot of nervousness out there about, um, you know, the quality of the work or um, privacy concerns or, you know, as we have seen in the past, well-documented cases of, uh, you know, ChatGPT coming up with it, making up its own, you know, you know legal fi- legal cases and citations. So, um, you know, what are the latest improvements uh, in and making sure that some of these errors don't happen anymore.
1: So um, we have seen, or the technology world has found some good approaches to overcome some of these early challenges you talked about around hallucinations, which is the making up of sources that don't exist. Um, And there are some best practices that have started to emerge. Um, These are not complicated, uh, always complex to understand or or user demand um, of your suppliers. So if you're a law firm that's evaluating these tools, just a few things to, to bear in mind is um, just asking questions of your suppliers or your own teams around what's the data they're using to train their models. Um, so for example, in our case, um, we build... AI systems that are grounded in or tamed with knowledge of um, using knowledge of uh, legal databases such as Westlaw and practical so it, this The machines are or the models are tamed to ground in the knowledge of trusted facts and, and, and a data source that we trust. Um, and the bar is quite high. So that 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 is really important to understand. It's very important to understand the source of data that the model that you're using is trained on. The second point I'd say is citations and referenceability and explainability. So if a machine is recommending a particular clause to use, what's the source? Um, you know, and, and being able to point to that source. And as we would always do um, in you know, in non-AI scenarios as well, so it's just really important to... Do some of the basic groundwork of training on high-quality data, citing, including source citations, um, asking for metrics for quality and usefulness and harmlessness of these tools. Where how how the suppliers are auditing their models for quality and accuracy and lack of and debiasing. Um, the uh, the models themselves over time. All of these are very important questions to ask. And then there is also the ROI question. She's a very, really important one. If it takes forever to implement a tool, it's unlikely to get attention and adoption within the firm. So um, how long is the time to get customer value back? Um, what's the training time required to get started? How deeply integrated is it into existing systems and tools that you already use, like Word or Outlook or Teams, et cetera. Um, so those are some of the most important questions I would, I would ask from the get-go. I think also um, just longevity or, or just forward-looking tenure and, um, of the suppliers that you're working with and, and making sure that you've covered your base. It's a rapidly evolving space. Um, you know, we all saw a long weekend of OpenAI and uh, all the changes that went through that. It's a very fast-paced environment, so just asking questions of, you know, are your suppliers working with multiple vendors or relying on one? What are their approaches? These are all just some of the foundational questions I'd recommend. And and then just the most obvious one, um, private data in public sources or public tools, uh, bad idea. (laughs) So just treating um, confidential private data with, in the right way and just um, creating more of that awareness within your colleague base of how what when to use which tool for what purposes just the most foundational um
0: foundational things we should think about thanks for watching part one of our discussion with Kriti sharma about ai stay tuned in the coming days for part two of the discussion where we learn about what to look for when choosing an ai program for your firm upcoming regulations, and the long-term impact of AI. See you then!